are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Seven days. Seven days. Seven days till what? Until uh, Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm all a tither. Are Couldn't you? care less. My what? apathy about Thanksgiving. You're Couldn't leaving care. I'm Los Italian. Angeles Every meal is Thanksgiving. We're always, with that sense of festiveness and uh, objectifying and victimizing family, all of that stuff, it's what we do. You're on the verge of gesticulating. Paul. I am. I gesticulated here in front of everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. to be careful about that, pal. We would like to thank our sponsors, yeah. Breakdown Services, the entertainment industry standard used around the world, providing the most professional means to reach talent agents as well as actors when casting a project. To learn more about Breakdown Services, visit BreakdownExpress.com. We'd also like to acknowledge PerformingArtsLive.com, one of the Internet's most prominent listing sources for the live arts in Southern California. We're grateful to Performing Arts Live for lending their support to our live arts calendar. And today in studio with us, we're delighted to have two, two, two accomplished actress-singers, one who began her career at the age of two playing a bag of wool in a preschool production of Ba Ba Black Sheep and went on to become the youngest actress ever to win a Tony Award for her performance as Mary Lennox in The Secret Garden here today to talk about her co-starring role in the Alliance Theatre Company's production of The Eight Reindeer Monologues getting ready to open December 5th at the Complex Theatre here in Hollywood say hello to Daisy Egan Thank you, thank you. I'm really yeah. glad to be back, you guys. <laughs> yes. it's so nice I am so here. excited about Thanksgiving. I can barely contain my bodily <laughs> well, fluids. Sh- yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love imagine. Thanksgiving to a ridiculous Really? Story. That's your holiday? Oh, I okay. love it. I, yeah. I'm not a big fan of Christmas. See, mine, uh, Guy Fawkes Day. Uh, Don't what? know why. Guy <gasps> Fawkes Day. That's, that's so funny. Just, <laughs> just the oddest name holiday. That's perfect for my show. Christmas would have to be mine. But why, uh, well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it after we introduce Our second guest, ladies and gentlemen, her mother went into labor with her while watching The Sound of Music. Can you imagine at the... Uh, yeah. I don't have a labor sound effect, so that's <laughs> the best I could do. And that was at the Curran Theater in San Francisco. However, most of her years growing up were spent in New York City, where she, too, landed on Broadway with the National Actors Repertory Company under the guidance of its founder, show business icon, Tony Randall, who became not only her mentor, but a close friend until his passing in 2004. She's with us today to discuss a uniquely different one-woman musical show titled Difficult to Leave, sure to be another milestone in her life and career, which she's bringing to this day in North Hollywood at Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal on Monday, November 25th. Give it up for Rosalind Cohn. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for joining us today. Thank very, very excited. I'm yeah. excited to hear about both of these projects. So before we turn to the ladies, yes. well, how was your week? Now, you've already put out there that you, you don't care I do put that. out, Michael. You already put out? I do. I well, do. then what am I, why am I here? I know, you know. That's why we need the studio an hour early. Oh, my really? God. That's why we need the Daisy studio an hour early. That's why. <laughs> Lady! <laughs> no, sorry. Well, actually, Daisy was here, and you were here before I got here, so how Behind early were doors. you? Listen, yes, we, don't, exactly. we don't kiss and tell. We don't kiss and tell. <laughs> Let's just say it got a little steamy. I didn't want to say anything. I don't put it out on the airwaves, but we'll talk about the later. But check the interweb. We'll put it out on the worldwide yes, net. I, I put it out on the web all the time. <laughs> yes, you do. Mm-hmm. It's yes, that kind do. of show. It's going to be
to be one of those shows. Let's not talk about my week. Let's talk about your week. Uh, my week has been just uh, work-filled. I mean, you know, it's I've got a lot of things going. Just You're close. the hardest-working man in show business. I don't know about that, but You're pretty you. close. Yeah. You know, you You're send busy. me emails at 7 in the morning. You send me emails at 2 in the morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? What is Very up with strange that? Times. I mean, I don't mind that they're porn. It's just an unusual time to send them. Wow. 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 Talk about gesticulating. I don't know. I mean, 7 in the morning is definitely an odd time yeah. to send porn. But <laughs> too. Apparently not. Only if you've been to bed. If you haven't been to bed. Right. You <laughs> have just lowered the bar of this show. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why it's why I'm in this head. Yeah, it's actually, no. because it's the last show, and then we're going on holiday. Yeah. yeah. And we you're going to be a very naughty man. A little bit of a break. <laughs> yes. No, he's got his, he's got Monica, his <laughs> wife. Lovely. With him. She yes. will. She's, well, you can be not naughty with your wife. Yes. That's who you're nice. Oh, well, yeah, well, you're putting it that way. Yeah. Of course. Yes. We can married have. people don't have sex. <laughs> they don't? No, I'm no. never getting married. No. <laughs> Everybody knows that. This lady, look at the the, the glow on her face. In Daisy Egan's face. It is so beautiful. Oh, really, thank you. Your skin is amazing. Oh, jeez. Thank you. I, I, when we saw each other, which we haven't seen each other for about a year, I guess, huh? Yeah, it's been a while. A year. Well, maybe, maybe a little less. How long ago were you on the show? A long time ago. Mm. A long time ago. We were in the old space, right? We, we were, were at the, at the yes, other studio. Yes, we were in the old yeah. space. But I think I think I saw you at Sterling's... Um, at the opening. At and, the, oh, and then you did the show. Land. Yes, at the yeah. Critzerland event. Yeah. So that would be the And I saw you at that place in West Hollywood, Tattoos Against Your Will. Do you remember oh, that place we no, went to? No, no. club? I, I don't. You know, <laughs> trying to keep the bar down. Really? Give it's Daisy the. Let's start. Let's give Daisy the intro she is due, and let's uh, let's. Uh, or is that my job or your job? Michael? I'm not sure, <laughs> and oh, I don't care. You give her. You, you introduce her. You intro, I'll introduce Roz later. You Our first her. guest, ladies and gentlemen, was more recently seen on stage in New York and in the first national tour of Love, Loss, and What I Wore, and as Snooky in Jersey Shoresicle, a frickin' rock opera. <laughs> Her other theater credits include Les Miserables on Broadway. Her TV and film credits include The Metalist, Without Trace, Without a Trace, and Ghost Whisperer, to name but a few. When she's not in front of the camera or trotting the boards, she is playing the real-life role of mother to baby Monty Harrison Egan Bloom, who, in her own words, has proven to be the most awesome human ever. That's true. On December 5th, she returns to the stage to co-star in the Alliance Repertory Theater uh, produ- theater's production of The Eight Reindeer Monologues at the Complex Theater in Hollywood. Please welcome Daisy Egan. Rock and roll oh, for yeah. you, girl. Led, Led Zeppelin, correct? Uh, no, The Who. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really young, you guys. Yeah, but thank you so much for at least referencing a rock band, because most people just go, oh, CSI. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. no. Yeah, at least yeah. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. It's like when people listen to Blue, uh, what is it, Blue Danube, and go, oh, yeah, the uh, the United Airlines theme, you know? Blue Danube? Oh, what, is it, what is it? The blue... Oh, right. The, Wasn't that... Uh, no, it's, what is uh, it? Um, the, the, the great... I uh, smell the rains down at... No. no. I love that song. No. I love it. I don't know no, where no, we are right it's, now. It's Gershwin. It's Gershwin. Yes. Oh, right. Rhapsody, Rhapsody, Rhapsody in Blue. Rhapsody in Blue. What did I say? Blue Danube? I knew there was what a blue in there. Blue Danube. Well, blue Danube Everybody was... Everybody's uh, a little off-kilter. Blue Danube oh, was my... I hope this isn't Monday night for me. It's my It's my stripper name, but we spelled blue differently. That's what it is. Blue Danube. Ask that of everybody. Real quickly, mm-hmm. we have time. Ask, ask the stripper the, name. Yeah, yeah. No, what you? Well, you what is it? You, it's the street you grew up. It's a, yeah, your first you pet. Me? It's your thing. It's your first pet, and <laughs> it's the street you grew up. Well, ask Ross. So, what would your what would your stripper name okay, be? Okay, Duchess was our. <laughs> <laughs> Duchess, 
was the first bet. And the street man, Duchess Manderley. Oh, that's pretty good. I'm a classy stripper. Well, of course, I would be a classy stripper. Mine would be Sophie Fourteenth Street. Sophie Fourteenth Street. That's a rough one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Yeah, yeah. That's what you get when you grow up in New York. You grow where? Fourteenth and what? In Brooklyn, in Park Slope. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is where I'm going tonight. You are? Tonight? You're flying out? Yeah, we're taking the red eye. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. For Thanksgiving, the greatest holiday ever, with the greatest child living. Well, and, you know, listen, (laughs) we all saw it chronicled on on Facebook. You did that. You kind of... Libra de Facho. I did. I did. And, the, and kept us all I informed. tweeted a lot of it and oh. uh, blogged about it. And you yeah. brought and you broadcast the birth on. The uh, no, not the birth. <laughs> I did live tweet a little bit of my labor wow. when I when I when I had Screamed. such when I had such bad heartburn. Uh, and I kept asking for, uh, like, an antacid. And it's the hospital, so they don't... And I didn't realize I had them in my purse. And then I just barfed on oh. the nurse's feet. So I tweeted that. Oh. Nice. And, and if you did get an antacid, it would have been $60. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Did you have an epidural and all that? Um, I did. I was, I was supposed to have them at home. I was born at home. Well. Um, and I labored for 15 hours at home, Ugh. and then we tr- then we had to transfer because wow. he wasn't coming out. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. not doing that. How, how, <laughs> it was rough. May I ask the weight of the baby? He was uh, when he was born seven mm-hmm. fourteen. Wow. Yeah, so, he like, was big. Really? Yeah, good size. And then well, and yeah. she's and Daisy's small. So, yeah. You're skipping over your stripper name. Oh yeah. We you, you just totally went over that. You never provided nice try. yours. Nice try. What's yours? Jackie was the first pet. <laughs> Jackie and Chantilly. Yes! Jackie Chantilly. Jackie Chantilly. That could be the best one I've ever heard. That's, yeah. I see velveteen, you know, like pants that get ripped off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Chantilly pants. I thought mine I thought mine was good, and you just no, totally eclipsed uh, me. Uh, what is, what is yours? Mine, was, mine is, uh, sounds more like a female detective. Mine is Pepper Bennett. Oh, that oh, is really? good. Yeah, so it's like or like you know, a, a novelist, a mystery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the latest nice. by Pepper Bennett. Right, so next on the WB. <laughs> you'd have a trench coat. Yes. Oh, <laughs> does he ever? So, so, so Daisy, back to Daisy. How did you? Um, do you know people in Alliance Repertory? Did they ask you to do it? Did you audition for? It? How did how did that relationship start? Um, I actually knew. I know Thomas Colby, who's in the cast. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't for the life of me remember how we know each other, but we. We know each other, um, and he uh, he recommended me to Royana Black, one of the directors, and she contacted me, and I was like, "I've got nothing going on, sure." Um, now, had of course, you seen since it then I have a lot going on, and now I've got too much. What? Because Roz said that she had seen it before. I had never there. seen it. I. <laughs> Honestly, hadn't even read it before I agreed to do it. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but you know. It's me. It's I'm the not really. Side, I'm not really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you I'm agreed. Really to, thorough. So you must have been happy when you did read it because it's just so. Yes. Funky well, she plays cool, a, a rather appropriate role. I think dancer is that your role? Yes, I happen to be the worst dancer on the planet. <laughs> just so we're clear, you look pretty mm-hmm. flexible right now. So, I, so you're the worst dancer on the planet, and you hate musical theater. Yes, correct. Okay. I don't uh. hate musical theater. It's just not really my thing. Okay. You know what I mean. All right. Like yeah. I, there's, ra- it's been rare that I've seen a musical and been like, I'm so glad I spent two hundred eighty dollars. Well, that's <laughs> ridiculous today. Yeah. That's Although I will wrong. say, Book of Mormon, probably one of the yet. best things I've ever yeah, seen yeah. ever. I think I the wait. the great yep. thing about that is uh, that it's not only a great. Uh, 
very, very funny, but it's also it's a love letter to the American musical. It's just it really they is. go full tilt boogie on this. Yeah. It's it coming here. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. it's coming it's back. Yeah, I, it's coming I, back. Yeah. I really recommend it. But no, in terms of my dancing, like I, I've been offered roles before or, or asked to audition for a, a role that dances, and I, I say off the bat, I'm not a dancer. And they're like, well, that's okay as long as you can move. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I don't think you understand. You don't understand. <laughs> I dance like other people sees. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's not yes. a pretty thing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I play dancer uh, who's a New York Jew, so that is appropriate. Um, it's a sorry. I'm gesticulating. I'm no, kicking no, no. the table. No, no, that was me. Like that was me. Punching things. That was me. Um, that doesn't bother me nearly as much as the whole topless thing. That's the I'm, only well, thing. Well, I'm sorry. I, it's comfortable. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I need to be. That's comfortable. fine. Okay, that's fine. Go um, right ahead. It's an extremely dark play. It is not recommended for children. No, no. It's no. not like a happy Christmas. Don't bring no. your child. No, no. no. Um, and also don't come if you are easily offended. Right. But but brutally funny. Yes. But brutally funny. That's an important thing to wait. say because it's very it's it's very it's cold dark, but yes. it's just it's so damn funny. And and we're we're doing it more dark than comedic, but right. it's you can't escape the comedy. Right, exactly. Of, you know, exactly, we just yeah. we just don't we're not like waka waka. Mm-hmm. Right. Which would be bad theater anyway, so. Right. What I'm trying to say is it's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave Perriam co-directed this. Yes. Dave Perriam, yes. who was involved in our last Sea Glass production. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that it's the... I know that he did it last year. He was one of the uh, one of the reindeer last year. Yes. But I guess he's just directing this one. And mm-hmm. I get to do the final performance. I'm going to read a visit from St. Nicholas at the final show, more commonly known uh, Night Before Christmas, because mm-hmm. they, apparently that's the curtain warmer or something. Yes. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Celebrity status has gotten you a job. Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what Dave Dave Facebooked me and said. Oh please, Paul, celebrity. (laughs) He's like, what are you doing on on this Saturday? Uh, But let's put the information out there so people know how they can attend it. It opens Thursday, December fifth, at eight p.m. and runs through Saturday, December twenty-first at the Complex Theater, six four seven six Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood that's uh, opening uh, Thursday, December 5th and for tickets are $20 and they can be purchased at the Alliance Repertory's website which is alliancerepertory.org alliancerepertory.org or you can call 323-596-1648 and we will put this information out there a couple of times before the end of the hour but I just want to make sure we get it out You know what I want to ask Daisy? Thank you for doing that for me by the way. Absolutely. We're very professional here. (laughs) If only any of that information was correct. <laughs> How does it feel to be a mother? Uh, it's wild. Yeah? It's exhausting. Yes. Um, I've always been a pretty tired person <laughs> in general. <laughs> I remember I was taking like an anatomy class and we watched a video on, um, on uh, 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 oh crap, Ola. What's that disease that is common among among the African American community? Sickle cell anemia. Thank you, sickle cell yeah. anemia. Right. And and this woman was like, you know, occasionally 
it'll hit me and I will have pain all over my body and then I'll be exhausted and I'll have to go to the hospital and be basically passed out for four days and I was like dude that sounds phenomenal <laughs> sign me like I'll take oh I'll take a, a whole full body full of pain I get to sleep for four days and just be like no dude I have to sleep like that so anyway I'm a really tired person in general um, which is part of the reason why I never wanted children in the first place because I didn't think I'd have stay up yeah I didn't think I'd have the energy for it Um, but when you find out that you're pregnant two and a half months into your pregnancy um, the decision is kind of made for you as to what you're going to do so so I found myself uh, you know my whole uh, life changed um it's the most incredible experience i've ever had um you know sometimes he'll be nursing and he'll suddenly look up at my face (laughs) and like smile and then go back to nursing like oh you're still here (laughs) i'm like yes he's very young i'm not just a tit (laughs) what's his name again his name is Montague Harrison. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh. My nephew's middle name is Harrison. Oh, really? One of my nephews, yeah. Oh, nice. We named him after my great-grandfather, Montague Renshaw, my great-grandfather, wow. yeah. Um, and uh, Harrison is actually after George. Um, <gasps> really? Oh. Sort of after Harrison Ford, but mostly after George. Awesome. Yeah. Um, he's six months old. Yeah. He uh, just turned six months. Uh he ate applesauce today. Oh, boy. So that was first time. Mm-hmm, for first the first time. time. Wow. Um, he, he's, he now has uh, avocado, mm. butternut squash, <laughs> sweet like potato, and applesauce. <laughs> yes. um, uh, Which together is a Waldorf salad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. If you put all those together. Um, and he's incredible. And I have to say, um, I did a, a, a little concert version of Company uh, a couple months ago. And somebody, you know, somebody saying being alive at the end of it. And I, I heard it. Diff- I heard it mm. for the first time ever, really. Well, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm it's making me teary right now. Mm-hmm. The uh, just the concept of somebody needing you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. He's the greatest human. Yeah. No, no, it's uh, <laughs> sweet. I've never quite seen you like this before, Dave. He's made me a giant mush ball. Well, and he's right here. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> <we're just laughs> Come on adventure in. life. No, well, well, all all good things and blessings. And, Thank you. And uh, uh, it, he sounds adorable. I'm, I'm actually writing uh, a show about him uh, right now. Already? Yes. He's in show business. He oh, will be in show no, business. No, no, he will no, no. not be in show oh, business. Oh, he will not? No, no, no. What if he wants to? He be? will be grounded until he's 18. Uh oh. He should be a guitar player. With well, Harris. here's well, the thing, Daisy, at the end of the show, if we have time, ask me for the story that Lorraine Newman told us about George Harrison. Right. Oh, wow. We had, we had Lorraine Newman on the show. Yeah. And she was a huge Beatles fan, but she was a, mostly a George Harrison fan. Yeah. And so when George Harrison came to Saturday Night Live, when the whole thing, when Lauren Michaels did the whole thing about, I have $3,000 here for the Beatles to reunite, they, he did it. He oh, had, I didn't oh. see he, he, he tried to get the Beatles to reunite, and NBC was like, well, we'll give you three grand for it. So he did a whole <laughs> bit about, I have a check in my hand for three thousand dollars and of course and as that as it turned out that uh when george harrison was on the show ringo was with him not performing and across town 
John Lennon and Paul McCartney were oh. both at John Lennon's house, and they were this close to just oh. driving over oh. the stage. Oh, and they did. But that's not the story. At the end of the show, ask me the story All right, of I Lorraine, Lorraine yeah, Newman. Yeah, we can't forget and the, this. We will can't. it trump my story of being with George? Oh, oh no, it God. won't. It won't. It won't. Yours is better. But let's let's. Well, I don't no, want to tell I wanna our hear story. That. I love the I, Beatles. I, I have to say that no, he's not allowed to be in show business. We would like him to pick up a trade that doesn't um, require college <laughs> because college is going to be six hundred thousand dollars by the time people always yeah mechanic. a plumber, plumber a, well, a, a, well a, let's look at his skills he likes avocados he likes avocados he likes he, he butter prefers, squash he prefers the squash to the and he's a tit he man be a chef. so there you go <gasps> yes well yeah. stripper is one of the jobs that we will find acceptable yeah. <laughs> something that's that is recession proof and that <laughs> he can make good money on. Yeah. yes yeah. absolutely yeah. you can't outsource stripping yeah that's, that's actually yeah. it's actually that's actually a Loudon Wainwright song about Rufus. Rufus Wainwright, Loudon uh-huh. Wainwright. He wrote a song in 19, when the year after Rufus was born called Rufus is a Tit Man. That's a very <gasps> funny so song. Oh, wow. Very, Maybe very I should put that song. in my show. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a Rufus, great, it's a great song. Uh, but Ru- yes, I am writing a show about him right now that I'm going to be premiering in San Francisco in February. Um, and then hopefully here. Where in San Francisco? Uh, there is a new venue whose name is escaping me. <laughs> Because my brain is... The new Feinstein venue? Mush, no. no. Um, but you can go to my website, daisyegan.com. The info is not on there right this second, but it will be very soon. And you have something else new to announce I, that, is, that we don't January. even have in our Yes, I have a couple material. things. Uh, January 14th, I'll be participating in a Starry Night at Pasadena Playhouse. It's a, a benefit for ALS. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, wow. You can get mm-hmm. tickets on their... Or you go to the website, pasadenaplayhouse.org, I would it imagine. Is yeah. Um, so there's that, and that's like a huge lineup of incredible uh, performers, and then me. Um, <laughs> and then actually this Sunday, the 24th, um, if wow. you're in New York, I will be at Fort Defiance in Red Hook, Brooklyn. In Red Hook. 365 Van Brunt Street, singing a set with my father, the lovely Miss Kesara. Wow. So if you want to understand that, you'll have to come. Oh, my wow. God. Well, wait a minute. Miss yes. Kesara. Miss Kesara. Uh-huh. Is that uh-huh. the one from here? No, no, no. no. You're thinking case you're thinking quesadilla. Oh yes, oh. yes. yes. So, so, a Hispanic. I, uh, uh, gra- yeah, no, really. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> but well, the other thing that you're doing for those that are local is the eight reindeer monologues. This is with, with Alliance Repertory, and that opens December fifth and runs through December twenty first. That's at the Complex Theater in Hollerwood, six four seven six Santa Monica Boulevard. For tickets, <laughs> AllianceRepertory.org or three two three five nine six sixteen forty eight. You see. How I just tucked that in. There. I know you. That did. was very. That was really good. Well, I'm. A it's pro. like you're a professional. You know, <laughs> it's weird. Uh, so you're going back home for Thanksgiving. I'm going back home for Thanksgiving. We're flying. And out you still tonight. have a lot of family there. Yes, uh, my father and his wife, my stepmother, live in the house that I grew up in. Oh wow! Uh, we flew there unexpectedly six weeks ago for an audition, and I brought Monty with me, and it was so surreal to be in my childhood bedroom yeah. with my, wow. my baby. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, wow. um, yeah. My um, guidance counselor in high school, when his daughter was born, he had his wife carry his daughter down the stairs every Christmas morning. Carried her, carried, carried her down. 
And then she started walking down, obviously, and did it every Christmas morning for 28 years. Aww. And it ends with her years. ends with her carrying his daughter carrying her daughter oh. down the stairs. Oh. And he and he put them all together. So it starts at like Super 8 with no sound, yeah. and it oh. ends with video oh, and everything. Wow. And it's really kind of I'm surprised he hasn't uh, posted it on the web. Because yeah, that really needs to that, that would go way. viral. Yeah, yeah quick. definitely would. Yeah. Definitely would. Um, but yeah, we're going home for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my absolute favorite. My mother was uh, a, a phenomenal cook. Um, so we would have Thanksgiving and Christmas, and they would just be these massive, massive affairs. We have this tiny little house in Brooklyn, <laughs> and it would just be filled to the brim, and she would be cooking for, like, weeks ahead of time. Um, she's no longer with us, but my father has, has taken up the mantle, mm. and he, he has become a great chef. We have... 17 people coming to Thanksgiving. Wow. We're having a 24-pound turkey. <laughs> wow. That's um, two pounds a person. Right? No, well, no, 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 you have to think that, yeah, there's yeah. there's bones in there, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the new 24-pound like. boneless turkey. Which is, um, do you have ham? <laughs> so, no, we don't do ham. Anything else, like roast beef or anything? No, or just turkey's Roast the, beef. Oh, yeah. Some people do roast beef. Yeah, yeah. My family would do like three different entrees. We did goose Turkey, one, beef, one Christmas, ham. and none, none of us really. Goose is just, and goose is like duck, duck, but game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Do you cook uh, well. I do. I do cook, and my boyfriend cooks, and my boyfriend is actually a better cook than I am. He is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the reasons that I dated him. <laughs> because of the cooking. Yeah, I had yeah. never actually been with a guy who could cook before. Really? So that was really a lovely thing. It's a very seductive thing. It is, absolutely. It is. Very, that's, why that's interesting you say that. I believe that, too. If you're yeah. a good cook, I think it's it's very sensual. Oh, yeah, because oh, yeah. it's so sensual. sensual. Yeah. 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 But I, you know, I grew up with my mom in the kitchen making dinner and me doing my homework at the table. So that's it's part of our whole it's part of my makeup, you know, yeah. is is cooking and food. And, and the fact that your dad is a good cook. Mm-hmm. Again, we go back to your son. Oh, yeah, cooking. Yeah. What, that, that he'll that, be? That maybe that might be his chosen profession. We sir, I mean, that like that would be acceptable. And awesome. <laughs> and awesome. It would be awesome. I mean, he's not going to really be able to avoid it in and our in our house. Right. We are. We cook all the time. I think we're you figuring this out. <laughs> yes, we cook and sleep. That's what we do in our I house. I tell you, that's the thing. And uh, no dancing. And no dancing. And no viewing of musicals. And, Roz, you're going back to New York, too. I'm going to New York, yeah, to yeah. celebrate. See, and that's the thing. It's just we were talking about this before. I love Los Angeles. I love living out here. But in terms of cuisine, the only thing oh, that Los Angeles yeah. beats New York on, there's one thing. What? The sushi in Los Angeles yes. is better than the sushi in New York. I wouldn't but know But every that. single other cuisine, Correct. Oh. New York just well, comes Well, Mexican Oh, yes. Oh, Mexican. I have to, yes. What, you were great. not agreeing with me? No, no, no. Absolutely. Oh, no, I like, I, I don't like uh, raw sushi very much. I hate it. Oh, I love and, sushi. And oh. I do, but I have begun to like it a little bit because I, I didn't really know what I was doing. Oh man, I could. If I had the money, I I would pull a Jeremy Piven. Oh God! I would just, I would, I would be half Mercury. Yeah, I would. I could, I could open my mouth and just dump a tray of. I know, I know. I just uh, and and all the places that Monica and I go to now. We don't even order. It's just like whatever's yes. good. I heard Ventura's like sushi row. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. The key is oh, you want to oh, yeah, sit you. at the bar yeah, and, yeah. and ask the chef if he wants a beer. And sit in the middle. Because oh, really? I found that the the hierarchy goes from the center uh, out. Whoever's in the middle closest to the door is always the senior one. My uh, my director of my show, Danny Goldstein, he, Daniel Goldstein, uh, was just in Tokyo, and he went to Jiro's 
Restaurant. Oh yeah, Jiro, was, I think Jiro like Dreams a, of Sushi. Yeah, I think it was like an eight hundred dollar meal, oh but gosh. he was like be- best meal of my life, oh my hands gosh. down. That's, and you and don't order; no they just bring you. Yeah. yeah, and you have to eat it within a certain amount of time, yes. or else you're flogged. Yeah. Yes. Now, what's the thing wow. about asking the the uh, chef if he wants a beer? You, you buy get, a beer. You get on yeah. their good side. Um, you also um, don't put. You're not supposed to put wasabi in your soy sauce. No. You're also not supposed to drown everything in your soy sauce. You never. Rub your chopsticks together. You're not, uh, you're oh, not supposed to put the rice. Do. You're not, to, I do you're not supposed to dip the rice into the soy sauce. You're no. supposed to dip the fish into And you're also supposed to pop the whole thing in one shot. Yeah. You're not supposed to bite it in half. The oh, Japanese I, are very serious, you guys. Yeah, they are. Which explains why they're the, you know, kings of, like, electronics and robotics and... <laughs> I don't you know. know. They don't have problems with Fukushima. <laughs> well, <laughs> sure. that's a big boo boo. Uh, <laughs> we have an arts Let's do the arts calendar, Michael, yeah. and then we'll chat with Roz, who's sitting here. So Wait, I have to tell you, Joshua Finkel sends you both his love. He does? Oh, yes. good. He was bummed he could not be here. Oh. He's teaching right now. Oh, well, he's making money. It was a joy having a him thing. on. Yes. I was listening yes, to that very talented show man. that we had yes. him on just recently. He's directing her her show. Yep. And co wrote. And co wrote. Oh, wow. Jake Anthony and Joshua, we all wrote it. I yeah. keep hitting this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we do have to do our live go arts ahead. calendar, ladies and gentlemen. And here we go. We are never so alive as when we're scared to death. Posits Todd Robbins in the opening moments of Play Dead, officially opening to the press tonight at the Audrey Skirball Kennis Theater at the Geffen Playhouse. I'm going. This th- evening of spine-chilling entertainment, a co-creation from the minds of magicians Teller... Oh. Of Penn and Teller, who directs, and Robbins, who also uh, has co-written this, the main performer as well, Mr. Robbins, conjures spirits of serial killers and mediums in a show that is macabre and merry. Ooh, the wow. themes of death, darkness, and deception are explored in tales that are frightening, funny, erotic, and jaw-dropping with creepy delight. Robbins uses sight, sound, and touch to raise a host of real-life horrors, including Albert Fish, a cannibalistic serial killer, and Marjorie, the Boston medium, whose nude seances raised the dead and evolved into orgies. I I would imagine. Robbins (laughs) performs a demon-extracting surgery on a trusting audience member and an onstage murder and the tidy ingesting of a light bulb. The stories and events of this interactive production contain some disturbing (laughs) images, to say the least, brief moments of nudity and a great deal of fun. Audiences are surrounded by sights and sounds and touches of the returning dead. Material may be inappropriate for the faint of heart or those under 18. (laughs) The Geffen Playhouse presents Play Dead, written by Todd Robbins and Teller, directed by Teller, now through Sunday, December 22nd. And tickets are available in person at the Geffen Playhouse box office, online at Geffen Playhouse. Playhouse.com or by telephone at 310-208-5454. The Gavin Playhouse is at the Audrey Skirball Kennis Theater, which is located at 10886 LeConte Avenue in Westwood, adjacent to the campus of UCLA. That sounds awesome. Doesn't it? Yeah, I'm going tonight. A grown-ups prequel to Peter Pan, Peter and the Star Catcher. The most magical evening of madcap fun is now on its national tour and heading to the Center Theater Group's Amundsen Theater, December 3rd through January 12th. Hailed by the New York Times as the most exhilarating storytelling on Broadway in decades, this musical play takes a hilarious romp through the Neverland you never knew. The winner of five Tony Awards, this swashbuckling adventure will have you hooked. 
Let's see what I did there. From the moment you let your imagination take flight. Peter and the Starcatcher is the innovative and imaginative musical play based on the best-selling novel by Dave Barry and Ridley Pearson. A company of a dozen actors play more than a hundred unforgettable characters, all on a journey to answer the century-old question, how did Peter Pan become the boy who never grew up? This epic uh, origin story of popular culture's most enduring and beloved characters proves that your imagination is the most captivating place in the world. Peter and the Starcatcher, suitable for younger audiences, but most enjoyable for 10 and older. Tickets may be purchased by calling the Center Theater Group at 213-972-4444 or by visiting their website, centertheatergroup.org. And that's where I'll be on And that's where you'll be. Oh, okay. Our next guest from Broadway to television and theater, including appearances on General Hospital, The Dazzling 42nd Street, Grease, and they're playing our song. Our next guest brings her wares to an all-new one-woman show, 23 years in the making, Uh. entitled Difficult to Leave. (laughs) Difficult to do. (laughs) The real truth behind her entrance to and her exit from Scientology. She will tell her fascinating and daring story with song on stage at Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal in the NoHo Arts District of North Hollywood, Monday, November 25th. A proud survivor of Truth with Dignity, Difficult to Leave, is directed by Broadway's Joshua Finkel in a collaborative effort with its star. Please welcome Rosalind Cohn. Hi, Hello. How are you? I'm good. We're getting ready. I am so excited. <laughs> to I have wish you I could go see it. Stage. Well, we yeah. talked about it a little. In yeah, the, uh, in the, I was telling Paul yeah. some things that you know, I, 75 minutes to put in 23 years, mm-hmm. and Scientology is so dense in the information and the things that go on, and there's certain things that I just in my show did not have time mm-hmm. to talk about. And, um, well, because it has to be an entertainment first. I mean, it is an entertainment, so you have to that sort It's of all entertaining. Are you this writing a book? You should no. be writing no, a book. No, I don't want to write a Why? book. Why? Uh, there's other people who have written books. My thing is, I, wa- I didn't even want to do this, actually, uh, but I was having a recurring nightmare that I was trapped at Celebrity Center oh. on Bronson <laughs> <laughs> and that I couldn't get out. And this was recurring and for years. And so I had already been, I've been out five years, but this nightmare kept continuing and when I took care of my mom was dying. And I wanted to do things that really scared me. And so I took Josh's cabaret class. It was all about telling the truth. And that's how I was like, oh my God, I have to work then on this project. But I did not want, it's very scary to talk about Scientology. No one's done it in performance, Mm -hmm. except for Hubbard's great-grandson, because they um, have a policy called fair game. Scientologists don't know about it, but it exists that if you speak out critically, they have a right to do anything to injure you by any means, sue, trick, lie to you, destroy you. Wow. Wow. It exists. Wait, but that, I mean... And they do that. But not in, like, the real legal world. Yes, they do. They they get away. With, it's frightening. So that's, that's why really I weird. felt like I have to do the show. I have, I have. My, my mom was a big freedom fighter. Mm-hmm. And my dad always supported her. And I went, you know what? I can't. And I didn't want to do this again. I did it the one time. And people were coming up to me. And then it got posted on the net. And the next thing I know is people are emailing me from all over saying you're a messenger, which I'm not. I'm just a regular person who had a real problem. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, you please, please finish your story. You're going to help so many people. So eight months later, thousands of dollars to <laughs> Chris. 
and I'm doing it the one night, you know, we're recording it all, you know, I'm working with a lawyer, how I can do it all legally, so that it can then go on the net and walk the walk it needs to walk to help others, perhaps, who are still trapped inside, who can't see it, it makes me want to cry. Um, and other people who are curious, who want to know the question, you know, how can such intelligent people mm. get caught up in this? Right. But the brainwash, first off, the internet did not exist when so many of us got in. Sure. Did not exist. And because of Fair Game, nobody wanted to do an article on them. I mean, they have, um, you can look all this stuff up on Wikipedia, but Paulette Cooper was the first journalist to do a story on them. And there was an actual program called Operation Freakout to drive her insane. And it's frightening. Yeah, I read an I read an mm-hmm. article I think in the New Yorker mm-hmm. uh, from last year about yeah. it, and they and there's a journalist who talks about being stalked oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah. harassed. Oh, Russ, yeah. would you share wow. with the listeners and with uh, with uh, they're the, scary with uh, the two in the room here, in addition to our listeners, would you uh, the story of, that you told me about the the, uh, the, the thing? Yeah, the the disc, okay. the disc yeah. that you were giving. Yeah. So the internet was now becoming, you know, the public can now use it. So Scientology is very smart, and they knew, oh boy, we're in trouble with this internet business because the thing in Scientology is you have to pay all this money up front for each level you ascend. They tell you about your abilities gained. And on the lower levels, you can see what you're doing. But on those upper level materials, you have no idea. I never got there. I, I, I spent $60,000. $40,000 was 20000 in interest. Oh, just my God. dogpiling in the shallow levels and I'm, for 23 years. And, I mean, I was on course all the time. That means study. Yeah. And I still, because everything kept getting re-released, re-released, redone, redone. Ugh. Anyway, so you don't know what you're buying into. Well, the Internet has blown that apart. Um, So the Internet was just becoming public access. So we were all told to go to this event. Everything, every time there's some new release, they have an event. And they do a big shindig, and it's held in a big theater. And you come out, and they have all these um, computer stations rigged up. And they say, okay, come over here, Roz. You're going to create your own web page, and here's this disk. And what this disk is going to enable you to do is you put it in your computer, and it's going to enable people to access you so that you can have a one-on-one rapport with them. They can find out about your gains in Scientology, what's helped you, and that, you know, you can help them say, go do this course, do this. Well, I never put the disk in. So that is a net nanny. It blocks you from from looking at critical sites. So people who put it in... If they typed in Xenu, nothing would ever come up for them. If they typed in anything that was negative, they just would not see it. And when you're in Scientology, this is the brainwash happens early, early, early on. And they talk about it as being the most difficult cult to get out of because it's so smart. And the mind control is coming at you, and you don't know it, from every level, from the first beginning a thing that is done on you is called the dissemination drill. And that's when you're put in your ruin. And then they say Scientology can salvage you. And then already you're exposed. You know, they put you in that vulnerable state. Mm. And then one of the first things you do is a communication course. Well, um, a lot of people who are very well versed in hypnotism say that, because Hubbard was a master hypnotist, Mm. that... um, 
on your communication course, that's where a lot of brainwash starts happening. Because in that, you learn, you're learning to be controlled, only you don't know it. Were Can there, I write this book for you? <laughs> <laughs> were there, oh my were God. there examples? Were there examples? Talking about that and hypnotism and all that. Uh, were there, uh, I'm thinking about what we, what we consider more traditional cult-like behavior, like sleep deprivation okay, and things well, like that. Okay, cult, the cult part of it is is the whole, it's called Scientologies, and it's the jargon. <laughs> There's a thing on YouTube. It's, are you allowed to curse on this well, show? Uh, yeah, we the don't reason. encourage it, but yeah. That, okay, it's called, I think it's called the shit Scientologists say. <laughs> and you hear, you hear the, uh, you hear the comments, you know, and it's, uh, in my show, I bring out the technical dictionary. It's fascinating, this dictionary. My old boyfriend, he's the one who encouraged me. He said, you cannot throw away all those materials. <laughs> you have to keep the e-meter. You have to keep this. And I'm like, okay, you're right. I threw out, I gave a lot away. But because I was such a guilty person leaving. Do you know what I mm. did? I had $1,400 on account at CC New York. And because I had a good time when I was in New York studying there, that place was much more cool because it, it wasn't run by their elite, the Sea Org, the billionaire contract people. So it was much more low key. Well, I had left and I knew if I took that money from them, they would be punished. And I didn't want to do that to them because I had a lot of care for a lot of those staff members, the really good people. So I knew this older woman, she would never get out. She's older. She believes in this. I gave her my $1,400 to utilize. Do you know that after I started writing, I didn't even know, now on the list of Scientologists speaking out, well, now at this show, it's like it's all blown up. (laughs) (laughs) But um, a friend of mine um, told me they called her, and um, I had done this. You know, I saved them $1,400 being in trouble. And they were calling to say that I had gone off the deep end and everything. And I'm like, well, they turned on me. So yeah. you know what? Mm. I'm going to tell the truth now. Good. Um, you know, obviously there's no loyalty. And that's what's so sad is you have so many Scientologists are such good people. But the philosophy makes you think that Hubbard is the only one who knows and they can't look beyond it because you're monitored from the minute you're in. So you don't dare start questioning because it's taped. The the whole road is well taped. Mm -hmm. You'll be sent to ethics and then they'll get you that way with more of the mind control. You'll go to another part of the organization where more it's just every single way it is so brilliantly laid out and nobody in there knows that's what's happening to them because they don't have the perspective mm. of being outside it Mm-mm. because it's sort of like you, can't you, don't, you don't think logically when you're the one in the water flailing no. your arms when you're standing on the dock you can think no. logically i uh-huh. i saw a uh, uh a Scientology recruiting video from the eighties that somebody oh, you did? that somebody mm-hmm. got. Oh, I want to see that. Oh, it was fantastic. And they they literally said um, homeless people and drug addicts are great recruits because they're so pliable and mm-hmm. they're so you know you can say look we're going to take you in and take care of you and then as soon as they start making money you just t- you take all of it you take all of it. Well, they take. I have friends that they lost their home in Woodland Hills. Oh, gosh. He made it to the top. And um, they got out. 
Let me ask you something. Uh, how does this translate into your show, what you're bringing oh, into okay. Sterling's? I mean, because this is obviously a fascinating uh, topic and, and one that's a Yeah, but it is a good question. Like, how do you present it? In so a how I present it is I, um, as a kid, well, I was, my mom went into labor with me at the San Francisco Current Theater. Mm-hmm. So I, I've always wanted to be in show business ever since I was a little girl. But I had a problem, and attention was called to it in second grade. I was up at the chalkboard. I was petrified because I couldn't see, couldn't see the math problem, blind as a bat. And apparently, I'm shaking, and this girl in class, I won't say her name, goes, look at her, she's shaking. From that moment on, I have something called essential tremors that never got died. Oh, I have that too. Oh. Are you Jewish? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a Jewish thing. Oi vey. <laughs> well, it's because we're so high strung. Yes. Oh my God, but mine is like, Epilepsy, Tourette's at times. You should see me when I do a typing test. It's actually quite funny. I'm not exactly... <laughs> it goes like that. So starting by the time I was nine, I would, sl- I would cry myself to sleep um, because I think it's going to destroy me as an actress. Oh. So by the time I was in acting school, the teachers never thought anything wrong with... You know, because I was talented. But my classmates would make fun of me. Everybody my whole life has made fun of me. So I was really traumatized by this thing. And I met this actor. His mom is extremely famous from a TV show. And he is so talented. And he's still so stuck inside. And it makes me so sad. But he uh, was doing very well in commercials. He made a million dollars a year. And he was... And he shook... I'm like, I'll call him Jay. That's what I call him in my show. I'm like, what are you doing? Because you seem to be very happy and you're shaking and I want to kill myself about the shaking. Not really. but. And he goes, oh, come with me to Celebrity Center. And that's how it happened. So I tell oh, the whole wow. story from wow. when I'm a young girl and I incorporate different things, um, mostly with my dad, because my mom always felt I would get out. She told me after I left... Um, she knew I would leave eventually because she's part Scottish and she goes, you're too frugal and your common, Scott's common sense will kick in. <laughs> but my dad had a real hard time with it and I had to actually threaten disconnection with him because he would keep trying to, you know, plant the seeds. It's, but in, as a Scientologist, you cannot be associated with anybody who has yeah. any critical thought about it or you, ha- you can either handle them And if they will not handle, if they will not stop, you have to disconnect. I wish I had met you back then because I would have just told you to take a beta blocker. And then you would have skipped this whole thing. <laughs> oh, please. Although I, now you wouldn't have a show. So. Yeah, but I'm going to shake in my show. I'm going like, to show them. No, no, no. Take it with Panelol. It's the best. Uh, you tell me about it later. But I kind of want to shake because oh, I want to okay. show. It didn't work. But, you, <laughs> no, but you, you're also incorporating music throughout the show. Yes, well. yes. Songs, all known songs with, with um, alternate lyrics that Jake, how it worked was Jake and I would meet. I wrote, like, the script of my life. It's my life. and But I'd take it to Jake and Josh, and they'd say, like, okay, Scientology for dummies, please. Scientology for dummies. <laughs> so they would edit it with me to, like, no, we don't know what you're talking about. And then Jake and I, like, two times a week would get together Josh would think of all these songs, and Jake and I would say, okay, what's this song? We were? And we would uh, write the lyrics. So we wrote all the lyrics, and then we'd bring it to Josh, and Josh would rewrite lyrics, and that's how this whole oh, thing... Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I wish I could do that. Some of the wow. lyrics, I'm really proud, I have to tell you. And it's not me. It's, it's all three. 
But the lyri- the alternate lyrics, especially for ex-Scientologists, um. they're going to blow a mm-hmm. gasket on some of these lyrics. And what Joshua has done, because of your club, with all the slide projections, yes, yes. what he's doing on one number, the ex-Scientologists have got to be there because they're going to split. They're going to split. The, um, well, they can be. I don't have the uh, information. Uh, I'm going to tell you. Would you? I was going to ask yeah, you for it. Absolutely. Yes, so we can put it out there. It's Monday, November 25th, and it's very, very simple to get a, uh, a ticket to see Rosalind Cohn's uh, Difficult to Leave at Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal, which is in the beautiful NoHo Arts District in North Hollywood at 5303. Lancashire Boulevard. You simply call 818-754-8700, and that's our reservation line. And leave a message with, uh, you know, how many people you would like to uh, to bring, etc., and we'll get back to you with all the details. 5.30, excuse me, 6.30 to 7 p.m. is the seating for this show, and it is a supper club, so you're coming in for dinner, and the performance goes up. And at, the food is really good. Yeah. Yes, it is. Thank you, Daisy. <laughs> and the performance goes up at 8 p.m., and you're going to see 75 fabulous, fascinating... That's never been minutes, done before. Right? Yeah, only L- LRH's great grandson has done a performance. Nobody else has done this there before because oh, it's scary. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> we only have two minutes left, we so do. we wait, are, wait, wait, wait. I want to hear the George Harrison story. Wait, well, well, I'm going to ask we'll the, your uh, stories first. Okay. No, we'll only have time for your stories because oh, we only problem. have two minutes. Oh yeah. yeah. So uh, I'll tell you after we get off the air. Um, but uh, Daisy, do you have a performance nightmare that you can share? Uh, uh, I very quickly. I have an audition night. Nightmare. I, I auditioned for a, a commercial uh, that in, involved some tumbling, and, uh, and <laughs> I I'm, like it already. And, and like I like I said, I don't really move. So I just did a gag where I did a pratfall, and then I just sort of did bad somersaults. I then went to work, and halfway through my shift, I realized <clears throat> I was wearing a skirt. I was not wearing underwear because I was wearing <laughs> tights. <laughs> But the tights had a giant hole. Oh, oh! So somewhere in the world is a tape of me and my lady parts flapping in the breeze as I'm tumbling around for a well, progressive. Well, it's funny that you said that because if you look at our website, you'll see. No, I'm kidding. But did you get the job? Uh, no. Oh, no. wow! No. Wow! I know you'd think after yeah. that. Yeah, she's quite yeah. progressive. Well, now what you're you making. Let me think of my audition experience. I had a Burger King commercial here for a London Burger King commercial. And the ad was that you had to be in the street in a hospital gown, but with your butt exposed. So literally in the audition, you had the guy on the computer, you know, not looking at you, but taping you. And you had to put on the hospital gown with your backside exposed and run around the Oh, really? Oh, what we do. I did not get that spot. I think I have it too small and tiny. What oh, we do <laughs> for this business. My, 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 my. That's hysterical. Can I direct people to my website, Daisy? Please do. Absolutely. Please do. And Ross, you as well. DaisyEgan.com. Twitter, I'm at Daisy Egan. Facebook, uh, go to my fan page, not my personal page. Um, and my blog is Broadway Baby Blog, which you can get through my website, DaisyEgan.com. And just remember, it's E-A, 
G-A-N. Okay. Thank you. And Roz? www.roslincone.com. C-O-H-N. And we'll throw the the phone numbers out there one more time. This is the the eight reindeer monologues. For tickets for that, it's alliancerepertory.org or 323-596-1648. And And Roslyn Cohn at Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal, 818-754-8700. And we will see you all in about three weeks. We'll take a little break, and then we'll be back right before the end of the year. Happy holidays, everybody. What a pleasure, ladies. I think both of you are Very, very cool. See you on the radio when you get back. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on L.A. Talk Radio.